1: We're proud to announce that the b Photography Podcast has been nominated for a 2016 Podcast of the Year Award in the Arts category, but the ultimate winner is determined by a tally of listener votes, so we really need you to vote for us. And unlike our local and national elections, you can actually go and vote for us numerous times, once a day, every day, until June 12th. So please go to thepodcastawards.com, scroll down to the Arts category, and mark b Photography Podcast at the bottom bottom of the page, click listener or podcaster and submit. We cannot thank you enough for your support that has gotten us this far. I just want to remind everybody that we love doing these podcasts. And if you love listening to them, give us a tweet at BH Photo Video with the hashtag BH Photo Podcast or email your thoughts and comments to us at podcast at bhphoto.com. Today, we're going to have a a, a lot of fun. It's going to be a gearhead kind of a show. And the topic today is, if you only had one camera, or one camera, one lens, what would you reduce yourself to? And uh, it's, it's, it's a lot of food for thought. Joining us today to speak about this topic are two members of the b chat team, Christina Smith and Andrea Otado. Like all chat team members, Christina and Andrea are hardcore gearheads and photo enthusiasts. If you ever called with questions about a camera lens, you purchased the b there's a good chance that you spoke to either Christina or Andrea. Uh, they were probably the ones on the other side. And a box of donuts says that you got the answers that you were hoping to get. Um... That said, let's start off uh, talking about you guys. Christina, what's your background? How'd you get into photography?
2: Uh, my dad's a professional photographer, and I always used to joke that the reason why he has kids was for free assistance. It's true. Um, <laughs> so That's I just, why we do it. <laughs> <laughs> so I grew up uh, schlepping camera equipment, changing lenses, changing film. Um, so you're a vet. Yeah, so I guess with that background, it was hard not to what, sort of follow. What did your dad shoot, usually? He shot a lot of sports. He used uh-huh. to shoot um, for Texco also and for Avis, the pro ski tours. Uh-huh. Oh, serious then stuff. Also, okay. a lot of uh, boating work.
1: Uh-huh.
2: And um, just like Ellen.
1: Wow, Ellen. we have mm-hmm. what to talk about. Okay. <laughs> no, we, did, we you can catch up did you travel with us. Did you travel with him? Yeah, uh,
2: all of our family vacations were hijacked photo assignments. <laughs> <Gotcha>. <laughs> I did the same thing.
1: <laughs> okay, I got it. Andrea, what about you? What's your story?
0: Far less interesting.
2: Far less <laughs>
0: interesting. <laughs> I didn't like photography, till so I went to school for graphic design, and then I had to take a photography course, and I was like, oh, just kidding, this is probably what I need to do.
3: Yeah. So, <laughs> and I
0: switched. Uh-huh. So, ever since college, I mean, it started just film, black and white darkroom stuff, and then I interned with some photographers who taught me color processing and color stuff, and then started working retail for a variety of camera stores and got into digital and it's kind of all snowballed.
3: Tell us a little bit about chat because, you know, we see the results of your guys' work and it's always great. I mean, these long conversations where you kind of guide people through their decision-making process and usually end up giving them, I don't know, more or better than what they ever expected. So, how does it work? Uh, is that too broad of a question? Or ha- people type us questions. People and then type you questions.
0: Type <laughs> answers
2: back. Uh-huh. No. <laughs> do you have
3: regulars? Do you have people that kind of come to you? Oh, There's a couple often? regulars yeah. that you know. We Frequent can,
0: flyers. Yeah, Frequent as, flyers. As we like to call them.
3: Yeah. <laughs> I mean, do they ask for you guys specifically? Or Sometime, if they, if
0: you get, if you kind of make a connection with somebody and they're in there a lot, they'll be like, oh hey, it's this something. person? Can you transfer me to them?
1: But, right. And yeah, are, well,
2: all of us can answer questions basically yeah. within our specialty. I mean, I really know Nikon products. Drea knows Canon extremely well.
1: Do you have any idea what the question is before you even start? I mean, is there some kind of head? So it's just blind. You just use someone's photo. Okay, it's fun. (laughs) Well, I guess it's like dealing with customers. You never know what the next person online is going to be
3: looking for. I imagine most of the questions are pretty entry-level, basic. Do you ever get somebody who's, you know, well-knowledgeable but really wants to refine their answers?
0: Yeah, definitely. I you mean, like you said, most of them, I think, are just kind of like, what camera should I get? Uh. What does this mean? <laughs> what do I do? Which is yeah. fine. Like, that's what we're there for. Right. But um, I occasionally get, like, higher knowledge level people or you just want. And that's also a fun conversation to have because you can kind of yeah. throw terms around. You wouldn't necessarily be able right. to... On a more entry level, I know, know
1: Christine You you yeah. handled something from uh, one of our recent podcasts on a, a lens adapters. Yeah, and it was a question about somebody who had these nineteen uh, fifties vintage Voigtlander lenses with some kind of obscure amount and he wanted to know he wanted to use them on new cameras. And we were all scratching our heads. So some of the stuff is is yeah. is yeah. pretty eclectic.
2: I do get a lot of people who come in. With um, a lot of older lenses, and want to be able to adapt it to the mirrorless cameras. Yeah. But sometimes, you know, people actually know the camera that they had used the lens on, and sometimes it's I was in Germany, I was in a thrift store, and I bought a camera, so I bought a lens. So now, what do I need to use to adapt it?
3: Have you ever gotten the question, you know, what one camera should I buy?
0: All the time. That's like a daily thing. It
3: is. Yeah. And what would be a normal answer?
2: What, what do, you do you shoot? Well,
0: uh, what, do you shoot? <laughs> what do you want to take
3: pictures of? Okay. Yeah. Let's <laughs> walk walk us down a little bit. Yeah. Like what's what's the what's the path you walk people down?
2: Um, well, I mean, a lot of times it starts with you know what do you shoot or what do you sh- what do you want to shoot, or even if you just start out with what camera the customer already has and what limitations they're finding with that camera, mm-hmm. you're able to refine. I mean, what they need to move towards, mm-hmm. and then of course budget does yeah. come into it because while we would all love that perfect camera, sometimes that perfect camera. Same.
0: And try to get that kind of the budget question in the out in the first line of questioning mm-hmm. with. You know, what are you no. shooting? Are, and then, like, finally, like what range are you in? So I know where to look. Yeah, it also doesn't kind
1: of- mean or infer that the solution to all well, problems costs more money. Exactly. Sometimes it can yeah. cost far yeah. less yeah. than what they like they might expect. It's going to cost me three, four, five hundred dollars and dollars $500, and it it's 129 or $69, and, and it's p- perfect.
2: And depending on budget constraints, you sometimes just have to get a little bit more creative with the solution. Yeah.
0: yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You don't need a waterproof case. We have high quality Ziploc bags here.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Just don't dive as
1: long or as deep and Mm -hmm. you're fine. Um, (laughs) So today's topic is interesting. One camera uh, uh, for a year or something like that. I've thought about it often and there are so many options. My first Knee jerk reaction is I, I want something like a Nikon D900, a little super zoom that's hand sized that goes from 24 millimeter to what, 80,000 millimeters or 2,000? It's ridiculous for range. I mean, it, it's I, something like 82 power zoom. Um, and yes, that will. Basically, you enable, enable you to take pretty much anything that you need to see. Okay, you might have issues under low light, and, and there's no guarantee you can hand hold it anything over a thousand millimeter equivalent. But there are workarounds. But sometimes that's not the case. Sometimes uh, a fixed focal length lens could be a, be a better solution for it. Again, depending on what uh, your needs are, what, you know what you want to do. So um, well, let's start
3: this with this idea that we're, we're this is a camera for. A multiple range of needs. That's yes. kind of what we're looking at today yeah. for the sake of this conversation. And I, I would imagine you guys, your first question would always be, you know, what are your needs? What do you want to shoot? But for this, let's pretend we want to well, shoot everything.
2: I do find sometimes people think that they need something that will do everything. But if you spend more time talking with them, they really they don't, don't need something yeah. that does everything. Yeah. They're actually very specific needs that they have.
1: hmm but- mm-hmm.
3: I, for example, like the P900, that would probably be the last camera I would ever want to choose. And and I mean, I get the idea of having this wide set of possibilities with your focal range, but um, I I never shoot zoom, almost never shoot zoom. And uh, the you know even like the speed of starting up the camera and getting the lens in the place and all those things would be just drawbacks right off, off no, the. No, I action.
1: agree with that. I don't. I currently don't own any any zooms except for at one point and shoot. I happen to prefer that, but again, it's the same thing. Oh, gee, I only have one lens, so it has to be a zoom. But no, it doesn't have to be a zoom.
2: I think with those cameras are great. Say you're going on a safari, you don't have people to carry all your bags, and you can't afford really expensive telephoto, prime, Canon, or Nikon lenses... I mean, instead of trying to worry about, okay, am I going to try to use a teleconverter with a lens that's not supposed to be converted and not have autofocus and still not get the reach I want when I'm not going to be using this for professional? I'm not going to be blowing these up to make murals. I just kind of want somebody to put on my Facebook page to be like, hey, I was here. Mm-hmm. I think those super mm-hmm. zoom cameras actually are quite nice. Mm-hmm.
1: And some of the, after we were kicked, John and I were kicking this conversation around for a while, the different things, we taking notes. And I kept coming back to, I don't wanna zoom like we just established. I'd rather have a, a decent sized camera with a large high resolution sensor, even with a fixed focal length lens on it that I can crop into. So here's an example. Uh, If you took, say, a Sony Cybershot, the RX1R2, that has a 42-megapixel full-frame sensor and a 35-millimeter f2 lens. So, yeah, you have a camera with a fixed semi-wide-angle lens that's fast, which means you have your autofocus speed, low-light abilities, uh, but also because it's so high-resolution, you could crop into that and get a medium telephoto perspective and still have a good-quality image even for print, let alone for going online. So there's there's a lot of options on that, a lot of
3: options. Other than budget, which you mentioned, and what you're going to shoot, uh, I mean, we kind of outlined some factors in, in this decision. And uh, the first one that I wrote down would be, what level of image control do you want? Mm-hmm. Do, you want do you need a, an interchangeable lens, all right, um, zoom or prime? Oh, and what kind of exposure control do you want? Those are kind of the three factors that I would start off Asking myself first, what do you guys think? <laughs>
2: <laughs> I mean, I don't know if it's along the same lines, but I think one of my favorite cameras that I traveled with was probably just the AE-1 with a 50 millimeter prime. Um, I thought it was great just for getting lost in a city and also having that prime lens just forcing me to view the city through a certain angle of view and having to create different images just with that constraint. hmm Though when I've traveled with, and that's what I've been traveling alone, but when I've traveled with people who are sort of, your time isn't your own, mm-hmm. you don't really have that time to get lost in the city and just go out and shoot. Where it's, you might be spending five minutes here, or five minutes there because you're doing what the group wants to do. I'd almost rather have a point and shoot. You don't really necessarily need that level of control if you're just taking snapshots and you don't actually have the time to shoot.
1: Now, do you like the A1 because it's film, or just the simplicity of the camera?
2: Maybe it's just the fact that it was the simplicity of the camera. You don't really have to think about anything except for okay, get the exposure right. So, so b- based on
1: that, then you can buy essentially any of the compact DSLRs that are on the market with a fifty-one four, fifty-one eight lens. That would be equivalent.
2: And also, I just I loved the feel of the camera. Okay, and
1: that's important. Knowing
2: that the camera was also only. I mean, at that point when I had it, it was quite old, so it only cost so much. So if I did get mugged, <laughs> I wasn't worried about, you know, how I was going to replace it. That's
3: a factor. I always kind of consider how replaceable or how mm-hmm. valuable to you is that camera. And uh, are you willing to lose it, let it get wet, drop it? I and know. I always, with lenses especially, I think that way, you know, because I know how I treat my cameras, you know, and uh, it's it's pretty poorly. <laughs> so, you know, if I'm, I, I don't want to spend too much knowing that I just might break it.
1: And I think I just decided I don't want to buy any used lenses from oh, you. Absolutely <laughs> do not. Okay. Any <laughs> <laughs> and don't loan me your cameras either. Okay.
3: <laughs> Andre, what would be your, I don't know, I the mean, first thing you would think about?
0: At the level of manual control.
3: Manual control. Yeah, I
0: mean, obviously I'd want an auto mode. I don't know if I'm dedicated enough to go straight to film just because I have to process it mm-hmm. and... Actually, do something when I get home with it. But um, well, also
1: traveling. Yeah. Just keep that in mind. You know, with yeah. film, traveling with film is is really problematic. Well, I mean, we can go back to this later. But even
3: choosing film, that's I mean, that's a decision you've already made. Yeah. You know that. Yeah. Would I don't know how to phrase this, but especially nowadays, that's uh, almost a radical decision. And uh, <laughs> would you uh, would you really go with a film camera if you only had one camera? Let's say. Forever, it or definitely limits your parameters. I mean, low-light
1: shooting. Forever I mean, so permanent. You know. <laughs> I know.
2: <laughs> but you're also talking about Prime. But also, I would never travel with just one camera. I'd always at least have a point-and-shoot somewhere in my bag because when you travel with one camera, you know that camera's going to break. Mm-hmm. If you travel two cameras, they'll be fine during the entire trip. Murphy's Law. Yeah. So I would always have some sort of backup. So if it one camera does end up malfunctioning, you at least have a backup.
3: I'm sorry. You're out of the podcast. This sorry.
2: One. No. I'm a
1: gambler, man. I'm taking one and I'm running. Just tuck it into the socks. Just bury it. Don't let it yeah. do anyone know about that. Yeah. Um, first, I, I, first of all, just about any camera you to get, automation is there. I mean, mm-hmm. you do have program or whatever they Something. want to call it. Uh, but However, not every camera offers manual controls. And to me, that would be important, too, to be able to know I could turn everything off Go in and really take over control, or if it was it didn't have manual, it had enough overrides that I could basically outthink mm-hmm. the camera right. and make it do what I wanted to do. That's, so that's important.
3: That's for sure.
1: Something that crossed my mind too that you know as they're not again no one camera is going to do everything for you, and no matter what you decide to do, there's going to be some kind of a compromise or trade off. That's a given. But when going over all of the options, uh, the little rugged, the tough sh- point and shoot cameras came to mind, and just like the names say, they're waterproof, shockproof. I mean, you could really take them and trash them. Uh, the lenses have a little glass portals in front of them, so uh, there's no little, little metal blades to get jammed when you put it back in your pocket. Um, and they're made to take it. The limitation is they go from wide to short telephoto. I think 140-millimeter equivalent is as telephoto as you get, but they go as like wide as 28, 25, even 21-millimeter equivalent, so you have a nice mm-hmm. range for street shooting. And, again, it can get soaked. You can drop it in the mud. You can drop it wherever you want. You know, it can get banged around, and they're good. They hold up well. So, to me, that would be an option. I would look at the the rugged point and shoes.
2: Yeah, I guess also just deciding what camera to go with, it's where are you going. If you're Uh going to, um, was it the Lindblad expeditions that B&H is associated with? Mm -hmm. We get a lot of customers coming in asking about what do I bring. This is a -a once-in-a-lifetime trip. I'm going to the Galapagos, and... And that's when I would, if they don't want to go in for getting a housing for a camera they already have right. or um, if they aren't going to be shooting a lot of underwater uh, photography, take one of the ruggeds. If you happen to drop it in the water, you're fine. Mm-hmm. You can get one of those floaty wrist straps on it so it mm-hmm. won't sink and if you're going to be on a Zodiac going back and forth between islands and the boat, you don't have to worry about it being splashed or dried out. Or bag. even
1: having heavy humidity. If you're going to be going to places of just extreme humidity, yeah. um, you know so those I, are good cameras. I, for that. I've used a lot of those cameras, and uh, I
3: love them. And if I were to go with a point and shoot as my one camera, I probably would go with. You know, one of the Olympus mm-hmm. T4, I think they have, or TG4 TG4, TG4, or, TG4. Or, the, or the TG870 if you need yeah. a wide angle or yeah, something I, like that. Because I know that the, the, their top, their, the TG4 has raw capability yes. and, and, and some element, I think, aperture uh, control. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, the one thing I did notice, though, was the heat from, I guess, from the battery itself would often fog up the, uh, the LCD screen. I never had that. That's interesting. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Um,
1: That's another reason I don't travel with you.
3: Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But but in general, I love those cameras. and, And based on what I said earlier, I tend to kind of trash my gear. So... So they can survive. Uh, we haven't jumped to this general idea of point-and-shoot versus uh, interchangeable lens, shouldn't we start there? I mean, that would be. We well, already
1: started. We can okay. continue there. Continue with that. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. What do you think about that? I mean, would you uh, see again? Here's another thing. Once you in, once you introduce interchangeable lenses, which lens are you taking with you? Because remember, it's one camera or well, one camera, one lens. So if you could take one camera but take five lenses, then well, where we already defeated everything. So um, one one camera that was—because I asked around, and, and one of the suggestions I got was actually pretty interesting, and that was the Pentax KS2, and you can get that with a uh, a compact 18 to 50 millimeter kit lens that folds in, and it's weatherproof, and that's a real small camera. It's like the size of a Canon Rebel, one of the real small DSLRs. You do have the option of interchangeable lenses, and the lens that come with it. It's a short – it's a a wide to short telephoto zoom that folds up to like an inch, a little over an inch thick. So it really is compact and easy to carry around, and you can take the lens off and put longer lenses on at other times. You have the option. It could be a little backup if you have the rest of the uh, Pentax system. So that's an interesting option, and you have a a quote-unquote real camera.
0: Well, no. If you're going to go with a smaller size body, like a mirrorless that's a little bit bigger than a point-and-shoot, but you have a fixed fast Bright, beautiful lens on it, that's Mm. a whole different story. Like, even if you're shooting an SLR, I still prefer primes. I used to always have like the 24 70, 7200. And then I started shooting um, with like weddings with the second shooting for a photographer, and she was all primes. And I was like, what have I been doing with my life? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Clearly, for me, a prime lens on an SLR body, or if I can get a fixed on a a pretty fixed lens on a Fuji do you have yeah. um
3: issues with dslrs when they get bigger like do you, would you prefer a compact dslr or I a mean, dsc necessarily or, um, or it doesn't bother you
0: no not at all i mean i shoot with mark threes at this point
3: mm-hmm. so no issues then with size i mean when you when you think of the one camera a lot of people and i'm sure you hear this all the time is i want something small i want something that's not going to you know, weigh me down is that not much of I mean, it's, a, it's a trade-off
0: it's like well yeah you can get something small but depending on where your budget is that's you're trading off quality for size at some point, so it's like, how much are you, do you want to weigh the quality you're going to get out of that little thing versus how much you'd get by, you know, carrying a little bit more?
1: Yeah, but then you have the other argument too. There are some full-frame uh, mirrorless cameras mm-hmm. that are remarkably small. Yeah. Okay. But you could also put a 600 millimeter F four lens on it, so there goes the compacting. The truth is any of these small uh, cameras, especially the mirrorless ones that that they brought the size and weight factors down remarkably, uh, if you want to maintain that light, narrow profile, you have to get a pancake lens or something short. As soon as you start going into the twenty four seventy two eights, I mean you've, or you've just defeated what you're doing to a certain extent.
2: Well, I think originally Sony was only going to keep it at F4 for their zoom lenses and the FE mount because of the size factor but then they found enough people were switching over to the A7 um, everybody else made a 28 version and they yeah. wanted the and everyone wanted the 28 so mm-hmm. they realized actually at that point people weren't caring about the size they just yeah. wanted the 28 and you're That's still saving point. on weight with the bodies I mean
1: yeah yeah
0: I mean I'd have no problem putting a giant lens on my little mirrorless camera and and shooting like that because I'm still getting the quality I want that I'd get it at a DSLR. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just still a little heavier, but it's still a lot lighter than it would be on a big DSLR.
1: No two ways about it. Sure. Yeah. yeah. At the end of the day, you feel the difference. Yeah. That's absolutely the case. So, Andrea, would you at this stage of the game, you would be going
3: with a DSLR as your one camera?
0: Not necessarily.
3: Oh, good. I like it. Wait until <laughs> the end to let us know. <laughs>
1: <laughs> We're going to take a short break and then come back with some more talk about one camera forever. We hope you're enjoying this edition of the BH Photography Podcast. Send us a tweet at BH Photo Video, hashtag BH Photo Podcast. Welcome back. We're going to continue our conversation here with uh, Christina and Andrea and John and talk about uh, let's go back to portability. We, uh, we a, a lot of the things we've spoken about today keep coming back to point and shoots and for size and portability and ease of use. And there's also our phones, which are essentially real point-and-shoots with with limitations. When we talk about point-and-shoot, uh, let's talk about that a little bit more, about as far as what are we defining it. Because I, I always like telling people that every camera we sell here is a point-and-shoot. Because <laughs> uh, all of them can put it on program and autofocus, and you push the button, and it's a point-and-shoot. Um, but a lot of cameras give you a lot more control than that. And there's also an issue of, of small, meaning could you slip it into your pocket? Because we have a lot of small cameras that will not necessarily fit into your pants pocket. If you have a bulky coat or cargo pants, maybe you can get away with with the super zoom. But I think it was interesting when going over the options of what we had here in the store, I found there were uh, a whole bunch of cameras that have 10 power zooms uh, anywhere from the average like 25 millimeter equivalent wide angle to uh, 250 millimeter, which is pretty respectable, and we have 30 powers that take you from wide angle to even longer telephoto. Uh, and they will fit into your pocket. A lot of these 10 power, 12 power, even 15 power zooms are pocketable. Once you go more than that, all of a sudden the lens starts getting bigger and it becomes more of an, a DSLR kind of a, uh, a profile and a little bit bulkier. So, what do you what are your thoughts on that? I mean, it, it, we we do have options. You can carry, you can get a camera that will give you a lot of control and a good zoom range, and it will fit in your pocket.
2: Well, there are also the ones that are a little bit more compact that do have super zooms. The like the um Sony uh, HX90V is still pretty compact and has a 24 to 720 millimeter, uh, 35 millimeter equivalent optical zoom.
1: And that's pretty long, and you have to be, even with image stabilization, you have to steady yourself to get a sharp picture with that. So that's a lot. That 750 is a lot. I've handheld 600, and that's crazy.
2: I think it also depends on how still are your hands. I've gone to concerts with uh, one of my friends who works in the store and we're in the nosebleeds, and she's still able to, she can have that zoomed all the way out and still get a crisp photo.
1: Really? Oh, okay. Under low light. Yeah. So we're getting pretty good now with these little cameras. They're not. Yeah, I
2: mean, the Sony, their sensor technology is fantastic.
1: And, of course, they're selling it to everybody else. Yeah. Yeah.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Well, maybe not right now, but uh, give it a couple more months and we'll see those sensors again. Andrew, you
1: earlier mentioned that
3: you don't mind carrying a bulky camera around, but uh, would it make a difference, let's say, between if you were going to go with a point-and-shoot that was the quality was much better, uh, one of the Sonys that we talked about Mm -hmm. earlier maybe, but yet it wouldn't fit in your pocket. You just left to wear it around your neck or in a bag or something like that. And there are disadvantages of that, I mean, in terms of even getting into your bag sometimes to get a quick shot or whatnot. So would a much smaller camera that just fits only in your pocket that is basically like a second phone in terms of that make any difference for you or not really?
0: Not really. No? I mean, I've, I know I'm going to be shooting and I'm not like physically walking to the car or wherever we're doing. I'll just leave the camera out on my shoulder mm-hmm. or around my neck or whatever. Yeah. Like I – it. For me, it, it's a situation where it is where it is. Like, you want... These are the pictures you want. This is what you need to do to get those pictures. So this is what you do.
3: Right. Like, deal yeah. with it. No, <laughs> no need to hide. Yeah. No. Yeah, yeah. So let's talk uh, a little bit about uh, integrating into your systems and, and even post-processing and things like that. Uh, would that make much of a difference when you're when you're looking to your one camera? Like, the ease of... Well, I guess everything's pretty easy now. You just take out the just memory the card. Yeah. <laughs> so there's not much to really talk about in that sense. Oh, I mean,
2: my make a difference whether or not you're deciding to upgrade to a 810 or a 5D as whether or not your computer yeah. can handle can that handle process.
1: Yeah, the sizes like, of the files. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's a, that's a Nikon like people, 810, not an 8x10 view camera.
2: No, yeah, sorry, Nikon <laughs> D810. <laughs> sorry.
3: <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. No, but that's true. I mean, for a lot of people, there's no reason to get, you know, cameras with these huge files.
2: Yeah, I mean, you know, why, why? I agree. Especially if you're shooting events and your clients expect to see the images the next day, you don't want to have to deal with those file sizes. That's true.
3: That's true. Is RAW a capability a must for you guys?
2: Yeah. Again, it depends on what I'm shooting. No, actually. You, I know. I you know. That answer. <laughs> I know. I'm not allowed. <laughs> it depends
0: on what camera I'm shooting because yes, there's some camera, it like on the Fujis. I rarely ever shoot in raw. Their JPEGs are so clean and so pretty that I don't even bother with and it. And also
2: the Fujis, they have all the film profiles that you can play with, mm-hmm. which I mean, you obviously can't do raw because
0: that's yeah, the yeah. yeah, for life.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> Velvia, sorry.
3: <laughs> and budgets. Can we go there now?
1: Here's an interesting thing, okay? Um, when the Leica Q came out, it won the hearts of a lot of people around here. even though we can't afford it. Uh, most of the people here cannot afford it. Uh, it was an amazing camera. It's built beautifully. It has Leica quality. Well, As soon as you pick it up, you know it's it's a solid machine. The lens is a 28-millimeter F1.7. It's a full-frame um, and I think it has uh, a crop modes automatic to 35 and 50, not that you can't do that down the line, but you could flip it in while you're shooting. And the camera's amazing, the, and, the, and the pictures are absolutely phenomenal. has a 24-megapixel sensor. You can crop into it and pull good detail out from within it. Um, and it costs over way, well over four thousand dollars, which puts it into you know uh, the dream category for most of us. And then this past week, um, I started playing around with the Fuji uh, X70, Fujifilm X70, which is essentially the same camera. It's apSC. It's about a third of the size of the leica. It has a twenty eight millimeter equivalent seventeen and a half millimeter lens, which is a twenty eight equivalent f 28 It's essentially a a reduced size, like a Q, as far as what it'll do. And the image quality is lovely, and it's $600 rather than over 4000 And let's face it, there aren't really too many bad cameras out there these days. There, some of them might m- make you bang your head against the wall trying to get them to work, right? But the image quality from just about every camera this day is pretty darn good.
2: Yeah, but it also depends on whether or not you know what you're doing with that camera. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean... The camera is only as good as the person behind it taking the photo, yeah. and also the lighting available because light has to pass through the lens before it can reach the sensor.
3: So back to the control. Well, um, another question you about like- about budget would be, you know, you you invest money in a camera, and do you expect it to last? Yeah. Or you spend less and don't worry if it breaks within a year. Do uh, You guys fall down on on either one of those those sides.
2: I mean, I grew up with my dad shooting Nikon. Nikon Pro lenses, they last forever. So I mean I'm very big on putting up the money beforehand for something that is well built and that is meant to last forever. I don't want to have to keep on purchasing the same thing over and over and over again.
1: I couldn't agree with you more. That's that's a that is a solid piece of advice, especially with lenses. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Lenses are your wife and cameras are your mistress and you never trade in your uh, your mistress for your wife and people are asking whether or not they should switch, switch from Nikon to Canon or Canon to Nikon but I mean lenses are I mean that's what locks you into the system and that's what I think also brings you into a system is the available lenses and whether or not they have a line that you know is going to cover your needs
1: Not as solid as it, not solid argument as it used to be though because the mirrorless cameras and adapters you have a lot of people who are like diehard, Nikon, Canon, whatever, and all of a sudden they're shooting with another brand with adapters and they kept all their old lenses with limitations. I mean,
0: I I do that. I mean, I have the A7 and I have the uh, the Photodiox adapter and I use that sometimes, but it's still not going to – like if I need something that – I need speed and reliability and I'm going to put – use my Canon camera. The
1: prime systems. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's just, yeah.
0: It is What it is, I mean, and, and I love shooting with the A7. I have the 24 to 70 f4 Zeiss lens, and that's great if I just want something like if I'm going to a Mets game, I, just want to, I don't want to deal with my big camera, I'll bring that and still get you know very good image quality out of it. And but I'm not gonna, I mean, if you're gonna adapt the lenses, I think speed isn't is an issue. Um, the amount of time you have to shoot is definitely an issue, yeah. because it's gonna slow everything down a little bit. I mean, even with the newer uh Metabones adapters, they are much faster especially the A7R2 with the newer Metabones adapter and the Canon lenses it's very very quick I just I still feel compelled to in, in instances where speed is critical and accuracy is critical to use my Canon system
2: yes
1: absolutely third party has its limitations but yeah. it, it's not yeah. perfect yet it, it so has w- possibilities but it's not perfect
2: I will be interested to see how well the Sigma MC11 works with the Canon EF and mm-hmm. their Sigma Lenses to see whether or not their full frame um, global line lenses really will act as if they were natively meant mm-hmm. for an email mm-hmm. camera.
3: It'll be a coup for them if it is. If it
2: is, that'd be yeah. amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Can
3: you fill me in because I'm, I'm kind of curious about the Sigma series and this is a new adapter that's coming out?
2: They're still on pre order, so they haven't been released yet. But uh, Sigma has made an adapter for their global series lenses, which are the Art Lenses Contemporary right. and Sport. Mm-hmm. Um, it, I don't think it will work with the lenses that are before that series. Right. And it basically, it's for the Canon EF mount Sigma lenses and for their Sigma mount lenses to yeah. adapt on E-mount cameras. And supposedly it should make the lens act as if it was natively meant, hmm. made for an E-mount camera. So now yeah. you have all these DSLR lenses that people have been asking When are they going to make an email? When are they going to make this in an email?
3: It's crazy the way email has just
2: shifted the world's (laughs) viewpoint a little. Darn you, Sony!
1: Yeah.
2: (laughs) Um, But yeah, so you can use all the Sigma DSLR lenses now on the Sony email, and hopefully with a better integration than if you're using. Third-party adapter with a third-party lens on a Sony
1: camera. With all the camera. little hiccups in it. So yeah.
3: not for the sake of our conversation, and not to show your hand just yet, but uh, if your camera of choice would be an interchangeable lens camera, would you go zoom or prime?
2: Oh, I go prime. prime.
1: Prime, Alan. Prime. Oh, it's prime, all I own. Yeah, yeah. I'm already there.
3: What about like convenience factors, like things like touch screen and and Wi-Fi? Do those things come into play when you're thinking about uh, the one camera you might have?
2: If the camera has a touchscreen, great. I would probably turn it off for a lot of the time because, you know, shooting with it hopefully has a viewfinder. Shooting with a viewfinder, I'm not wanting to have the touchscreen come into play with just up to your face. Right. My nose changes the sun settings every and also,
0: time. <laughs> <laughs> every time.
2: And also thinking about um, low-light photography, having a viewfinder helps because you have that third point of contact, which makes it so much easier to hold the camera and low oh, light. Oh, yes. Which also, I think having a camera with interchangeable lenses is great for the light because having something that's a little bit heavier is a lot easier to hold Stability. still. I have a good than- friend.
1: He swears, but he he's shooting with Nikon D, a DA10, actually. And, you know, I, 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 sh- I show up with my Sony A7R with a little tiny little lens on it. And I laugh at him, but he wouldn't trade with me. He needs the mass and weight. Mm-hmm. You know, to him, that makes the camera. And I used to be that way. I've, I've come about... I just don't like carrying weight around. But I know him and a lot of other people know they still want to have – they want to lift something that is massive. They want a brick. I tend to agree with that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. it's it's not an unusual thing. That's fine. That's fine. And Wi-Fi and
3: connectivity, of an issue?
2: I don't think it's a deal breaker. Yeah. I mean, if a camera has it, great, but I'm not going to go for a camera simply because it has – Wi-Fi or some sort of connectivity. A. Eh?
1: That's been my my experience too. Mm. Yeah. I
2: used to feel like that. I love having the Wi-Fi
0: on the camera. That is the coolest little thing.
2: But if it was the difference between you taking out your five D Mark three or another camera because of Wi-Fi. Oh yeah, no. But like,
0: you're <laughs> <laughs> gonna go Are you crazy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously. But um, I love that it has. Like, if I'm if I'm gonna get a new camera, a DSLR aside, either a mirrorless yeah. or something smaller than a mirrorless. Um, Wi-Fi is 100. percent
3: you're gonna look board. for what, yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah.
3: No, I love that. And you mentioned viewfinder. So, is that viewfinder uh, a deal breaker? You need a viewfinder.
2: Yes, I really. I just. I prefer being able to shoot with a viewfinder. Optical it's not even
3: versus electronic to make a difference.
2: I mean, I prefer optical, but some of the Sony cameras that are coming out, I mean, their viewfinders are starting to get to the point where you don't see the sort of the feedback, and it doesn't take. I mean, they're.
1: They're remarkable. They remarkable. really are.
2: And then you also are getting a better sense of what your exposure is looking at, looking like, because you have all the information you can have in the viewfinder. Um, so if it's a um, electronic viewfinder that doesn't have that lag, then I mean I don't care if it's electronic or optical. But I find being able to hold the camera up to my um, to my face. I mean, one just to be able to compose a shot, but two just also how many stops that probably gives me um, and being able to stability. hold my yeah. mm-hmm. camera and the stability.
1: You mentioned yeah. the overall underexposure. I know one of the things I've been doing lately is uh, when I'm shooting with mirrorless cameras with electronic finders, which I hated for the longest time. And then once they got over a million dots in resolution at 920 point, okay, 920, they were good, uh, and now they're phenomenal. Um, I, I find myself quite often when I'm taking pictures through the finder, I have my thumb on the exposure compensation dial, and just before I'm ready to go, I'll, I'll rock it back for one or two clicks, to make it a little light, a little darker, just to preview it and see where it really should be. I mean, the camera says this is the, the correct exposure, but it may not be the best exposure. Um, and I really love that overwrite to be able to see what's going on in the finders. That, that's a huge boost for electronics. No two ways about it.
2: I think which also goes back to being able to have some sort of manual control. Because yes. Just because my camera thinks it's the right exposure mm-hmm. doesn't mean my camera's right. Of
3: course not. Right. Uh, but yeah, yeah. Back to the, uh, the viewfinder thing. For a while in, let's say, 5, 10 years ago, I was shooting the G-series, Canon G-series cameras, and I loved having the flip-out LCD and I, I actually changed the way I shot. I would I would I would use the, the strap against my neck for stability and shoot from my waist and a lot of street photography type of stuff. And uh, i be I couldn't live without that for several years. And now I'm back to DSLRs more and, and, and using my eye and uh, and then when the D seven fifty came out, I thought, oh well I have the best of both worlds, you know, have it but I never ever use the L C D on my DSLR, you know.
1: I went back to flash powder. You did. yeah, Just for impact. And uh, I
2: guess with the flip out LCD, maybe it's just I'm at the point where I'm getting old that this new technology, I'm like, what do you do with it? But I guess I, I grew up either you're getting down on the ground or you're finding something to climb up on. So for me, it's never been a deal breaker about whether or not you can see what you're shooting if you throw it over your head or... I can though. do
1: without it, but I prefer it. I actually I make good use of that. I, I happen to like shooting from bizarre angles, and I love the fact that sometimes it just gives me that little bit of an extra edge to get that camera I want it to be to get the shot I need. For
3: me, it was really more for um, being stealth in the street, you know, kind of having it yeah. down there, glancing at it, and making my shot without having to pull the camera to the eye and letting everybody know I was shooting. That, that mm-hmm. kind of became my, uh, it was my excuse anyway.
1: Some years ago, the one of the most popular point-and-shoot cameras ever made was a Yashica T4 Super. It was a little; it was like the size of a bar of soap, and it was uh, black or gray. And it had a 35 millimeter lens with 38. That was actually uh, designed by Leica, and the camera had a little waist-level finder. You could actually hold it and just sort of glance down around a corner. And this was a, a 200, 168 dollar camera that took magnificent photographs. Uh, real accurate focus and good resolution and had a waist-level finder on it, which was really wonderful. So you could either hold it to your eye or just hold it down and be a little more discreet. And that was a great, great machine. Okay, we're going to take another break. and we come back, we're going to find out the one camera that everybody in this room would take with them if they only had one camera. If you'd like to reach out to us with your questions or comments, email us at podcast at bhphoto.com. Okay, we are back. So I'm going to talk right now about uh, what camera each of us would take. So now we're going to have to lay it all bare and, and just make a choice and live with it now. Explain so, your choice a little bit. Yeah, and explain why.
3: Well, I'll go first. Um, I think my choice is probably the least interesting. But uh, just to run run you through it, I used to always shoot the, the Canon G series, and I, and I loved those cameras. And I, I, I guess four years ago, I, I would have said a, a G1X or the G16 or something like that partly because I loved the, the fold-out LCD that I could use uh, from waist level. Uh, but I've kind of grown tired of those. Uh, if budget wasn't an option, maybe the Leica M monochrome. <laughs> uh, but if I had to choose, I would go with what I have, which is the D Nikon D750 with a 35-millimeter lens. Hmm. Okay. That.
1: that works. Right. That works. Andrea? I
0: wanted to go with my Canon but I didn't and I wanted I I was stressing over which lens to pick to go pe- and pair with this and I said screw it and went with the Fuji X100T hmm. if it was the X100 I would not have said that because it was much slower
3: uh-huh.
0: but I've had all three iterations of it because clearly I'm in love with this camera that's the S yeah. the, 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 100 the, the 100 100S S and the 100T right. I just have the T now right. and it's the fastest one of the bunch obviously but um I've, I've limited myself to that camera on vacations before. Like, I've left everything home. I only took one. But um, I love the simplicity of it. I love that it has the, the more um, mechanical operation. So it's it's similar to what the experience I get with my DSLR. I love the um, hybrid viewfinder, which is fantastic. Because mm-hmm. you can make it, put all the little digital things in there, and mm-hmm. you can see exactly everything you need to see, all your information right in that viewfinder. And then if it's dark out, you just switch it over to electronic. Mm. Yeah, so... It's it's beautiful. Like the the, the JPEGs are clean. And you have
3: it. no interest in shooting zoom. So it doesn't even come to your eye necessarily, or you just uh, walk, walk closer, like you said. Yeah, yeah. I got feet. They you work. Feet. They work. We're good. There you go. It's a beautiful right. thing. Yeah. And and in terms of uh, it's how do I say it. Uh, it's a tough enough camera. It's, uh, its durability is okay. If it can
0: survive in my purse for as long as it does without any sort of covering on it, no body case, it's just getting thrown in there with my keys and yeah. like every other thing. It's it's a metal body. It's not yeah. – I mean, if I smash the lens, I'm going to smash the lens. But We suggest a UV protective filter in this case. Yeah, probably. <laughs> okay. Like the hood, all kinds of things that you should have. Don't just throw it in your purse.
2: We suggest yeah. you don't actually treat cameras the way we do. Yeah,
0: yeah. yeah probably yeah, yeah, yeah. not a good idea.
2: That is a good idea. Yeah.
3: I mean, I feel that you need to treat the camera the way you you live your life. Every and, tarnish and, uh, mark. Yeah. And, you know, you want the camera there ready for you when you need it. And, and that has to incorporate into the way you live your life. So if you beat it up, you beat it up. That's yeah. life. I mean, that's the way I look at that. Anyway, I know a lot of people don't agree with that here, but uh, oh well. Christina?
2: Um. I mean, one of my favorite cameras to ever shoot was my AE-1 simply because, I guess, my gut, I just think a camera should be a box that holds film that you put a lens on. Mm -hmm. But if this is one camera for the rest of my life...
3: Before you get there, sorry to interrupt, we we didn't talk too much about film, but what film stock would you use if there was one and only one choice?
2: I would probably just go with Tri-X. I mean, it's... It's a fairly fine grain, uh, sharp film. And also, it's really forgiving
1: um, yes, in a is. dark room. So
2: <clears throat> you can play around with the, you know, fixed exposure. Um, I mean, other films out there that, you know, uh, you know, are probably prettier, but definitely if your exposure is off just the slightest bit, I mean, you don't have anything. Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and there's something comforting about those little yellow boxes.
2: Yes, yeah, very comforting. <laughs> it makes me, you know. Yes. <laughs> And um, you know, makes me think of back, you know, uh, learning how to shoot and spending hours. Schlepping. <laughs> yeah, schlepping. <laughs> <laughs> schlepping so, dad's cases around. Yes, brings no, back fond memories. No, my dad was a was a Fuji man. So. Oh, okay.
3: Uh, is he still shooting? Is he still with us?
2: He yeah, he, he does. Still, uh, yeah. still shooting. You know, some sports and, like every other professional photographer, now has to shoot some weddings as well.
3: Uh-huh. Uh-huh. But, all, um, all digital now. He's. he's a
2: digital oh yeah. Shooter. Uh, actually, he was. So anyway, when he was shooting for Boating Life, he bought one of Nikon's first digital cameras, the, I think it was like the D1 or the D1X. Yes, yes. Um, and he had to, I mean, when we went on an assignment, he brought, you know, his, his film cameras also, but he also brought the D1X. And he had to fight to get them to start uh, accepting digital files. And now It was
1: uphill back then. Oh yeah.
2: and now they won't accept anything that's film. If right. you have film, it's they look who at are you
1: like what? Where you been? Yeah. Yeah.
2: So he jumped on <clears> that bandwagon <throat> early simply because he was thinking about processing fees and then also how easy it is just to be able to submit it to your clients.
1: And the excitement of taking forty seven minutes to download one gig of data, that was also worth it.
2: I think digital is one of the worst (laughs) things that ever happened to me. Because I knew, you know, if my dad was taking photos, it was one more shot, and I could ask him, okay, how many rolls of film do you have in your bag? And that was how much longer we were gonna be. Uh But now with digital, there's no more, you know. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah.
1: Oh, yeah. (laughs) When the caterer throws you out, that's when it's over.
2: Yeah. (laughs) Mm. Um, This is one camera forever. And thinking of just how hard it can be to get access to a dark room as much as I love spending time in a dark room. I mean, part of me wants to go with one of the Sony A7 cameras. I never thought I would say Sony, but they make it really hard to dislike them. Mm. Are you feeling okay? <laughs> <laughs> um, I just, the size and portability on top of, you know, Sony is coming out with actually some really. Really nice glass and the yes. Zeiss glass. Yes, I am feeling okay. Are you sure? <laughs> but when I really think about it, <laughs> I think one of my favorite digital cameras I've ever shot with was the D seven hundred. Um, I just it's just it's just yeah. a camera. Yeah, that is all there is to it. So I think I probably still choose the D seven hundred. Even if you want to blow up your images uh, really large, you can still upsize your files. I, I mean it's. Mm-hmm. Not that big of a deal. Um, and what lens? Probably the 24 okay. I Like Drea said, I mean, if you want to zoom, you can always walk a little bit closer. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's really hard to walk a little bit further back in tighter spaces.
3: Yeah. yeah. But that's an g- interesting choice. I know a lot of guys and women that still shoot the D700, and it's, I, uh, it's almost like the digital workhorse camera yeah. to some degree that has really stuck around. You know?
2: And, that, I mean, that thing, my... Dad probably had 300,000 shutter actuations on his before mm. he had to have the shutter replaced. And, you know, I mean, it's rated for 200,000, but still 300,000 shutter actuations. its And now it, is it wor- one wedding?
1: <laughs> 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 yes, which I got to edit afterwards. <laughs> you know what's interesting? It, it, every answer we've had so far has to do with how the camera feels and how you relate to the machine. And it had very little to do with a lot of the parameters we were discussing. Yeah, we didn't talk about it too much about just general feel. Yeah, which is saying. always, you know, when people come up to me, what can, you know, it, it, it's such as, should I buy Nikon or Canon? That's such a standard question. And no matter whether we're throwing point it's your DSLR, I always say, go into the store and pick the camera up and turn it on, look through the finder, look at the menus, hold it in your hand, and it has to have a good tactile feel to you. It. it has to feel intuitive to you, and we all react differently to different things, and we're all going to be attracted to one camera or the other for personal reasons, and every answer we've had so far has to do with a lot of just how the camera, how it resonates with you. And that, I think, is really significant. The other thing I noticed is that one camera series that has not been mentioned at all here, the little Sony RX100 series camera, which everybody loves and swears by its changed how we define point-and-shoot, and, shoot. and I, I i might be wrong, but I think everybody in this room has owned at least one of them at some point in time. I've owned two of them. No, no. you haven't? No, oh, don't admit no, it. Okay. <laughs> okay. Well, I'll, except for I've, everybody I've in this room, <laughs> no, anybody who's owned them will tell you that they're just wonderful, and the sensor that's in it is being used in a lot of other manufacturers' cameras with almost the same success. But Sony really nailed it with that, and that's one camera that has not come up in conversation. I had it on my list, and I realized no one's talking about it, and it's a Perfect travel camera. Size, image quality, focal range, uh, manual override. All the things we're talking about are there, and no one's mentioned it. I thought it's kind of interesting. Um, as far as my own choices for cameras, uh, I, I'm kind of torn. Uh, the two cameras that I would naturally go to, if, uh, especially if, if money wasn't an object, uh, I like the Leica Q. I'm a wide angle shooter. I love, wh- in fact, 28 mm is tame for me. I prefer 21. But the Leica Q is phenomenal. The, I, I've used the camera. The image quality is startlingly beautiful. You can crop into it and still get very good pictures. And for the same reason, I like the Sony Cybershot, the RX1R2, which has that 42 megapixel sensor and a 35 millimeter F2 lens. Um, if I want wider angle, I have the option of using the sweep panorama mode which you have with a lot of these cameras. So that's a way of getting around one angle if if the lens itself isn't so wide. And here too, I could really crop into it uh, and go real far and pull out a good image. So if I need something longer than uh, 35 millimeter focal length, I have it. Um, And then regardless of which camera I would use, Hidden in my baggage somewhere would be an Olympus Tough TG-4. Just don't tell anybody. No, <laughs> oh, no, yeah. Wait a minute. Okay, is that two secret. cameras? But wait, it was was like the three, three cameras. cameras. Yeah. <laughs> I said, don't tell anybody. I'm sticking <laughs> it to my – just. Everyone in. can hear you. <laughs> no, this is between us. This is between – this will never go live. This is between us. <laughs> right. Okay? I don't want to blow the storyline here. Um, and, and at the end of the day, it's really a hard thing to choose because – not because there's no choices – there are so many good choices. And, again, it comes down to everyone in this room has a different set of parameters and needs and requirements, and our answers reflect that. And every single answer we had here is Am perfectly valid. Hmm? Am I missing something, though? Am I missing something? You haven't given the one camera. I told you. I'm not decided yet. <laughs> <laughs> okay. If <laughs> I had to go with one, <laughs> okay? <like> and, mo- <laughs> and money's no – okay. I'm taking the like a cue <laughs> There. I said it. But maybe yeah, the Sony not, RX. Right. <laughs> no, 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 no.
3: Outro us after the like. <laughs>
1: <laughs> okay, so there you have it. I doubt if we answered anybody's uh, specific question uh, as far as, you know, and no one's going to walk away from this podcast saying, okay, now I know what I'm doing. But I hopefully, hopefully, we've given you a lot of food for thought. And And the bottom line is follow your gut feeling because chances are that's what's accurate. Um, thank you, Christina. Thank you, Andrea. Thank you, John and Jason, our producers. This has been a wonderful show. Give us your opinions on Twitter at BH Photo Video with the hashtag BH Photo Podcast. And please rate and leave a review on iTunes. My name is Alan Whites, And as usual, thank you so much for joining us today.